All right, hi. This is our very first episode of our Star Wars uh, podcast, typically Star Wars reactionary episodes of uh, the Disney Plus shows. Uh, my name is Bob. My name is Nolan. And we hope to, uh, you know, uh, share with you our thoughts and uh, what we like and hopefully not too much dislike about various episodes coming up. Um, and so with Book of Boba Fett coming up in a couple weeks, we wanted to do just a kind of an introductory podcast where we introduce ourselves and, and just talk a little bit about Star Wars so you can kind of get the vibe of what to expect uh, going forward with Book of Boba Fett. So uh, with that, we're going to start talking about uh, everybody's kind of seen the, or should have seen by now, the uh, trailer for Boba Fett. Um, and Nolan, what were your general reactions to that? I think it's interesting to have a TV show that really goes into the depth of the underground world of the Star Wars universe, kind of like how The Mandalorian and Solo did, but really focusing more on centering around a bounty hunter, which we haven't really seen in a long time. What about the end of Solo uh, with the whole Crimson Dawn tease? You know, what would you have liked to have seen, um, you know, more of? Um... I really would have liked it to focus more on her and her transform into being this really bad person, but the movie just kind of ended, and I think it's good that we don't have a four-hour-long movie, but it's also, it would have been more interesting to see more of that character arc. See, I'm, I'm a big supporter of us uh, with Disney Plus now. Have a solo season, you know, where you can go and deal with that. We don't need another... 150 million dollar budget you know fiasco uh two-hour movie or whatever of it but now do like an eight episode six episode ten episodes uh could be really cool to really delve into that and i think that as you were alluding to a bit ago maybe a lot of what we would be excited about with that we kind of got some of that in mandalorian and now with uh boba fett a little bit there are some books in the past that have explored more of a situation with Han Solo in his younger days. And I think if we're doing a season-long story about that, we could just adapt a couple of the books to fit a screenplay. You're right. There was a Timothy Zahn book, the guy who did all of the Admiral Thrawn. He created Thrawn. He created Mara Jade Skywalker and all of that. Um, you know, when, when there was no more Star Wars anymore, he was the one who kind of kept it going until they had the prequels. Um, but there was a book written, gosh, in the last 10 years or so called Scoundrels, which you were alluding to, a young, um, you know, a young-ish, you know, uh, uh, Harrison and um, Han and Lando, and they do an Ocean's Eleven type ripoff of a casino, and that would just be awesome. Um, so I think that with Disney Plus, we get a lot of opportunities to uh, explore, uh, and especially with the technology that they have um, to utilize the, you know, in the round type um, video production, uh, should make it a lot more affordable, I think. Um, so some of our reactions to the the trailer. Um, you mentioned the underground was cool. I love just the opening shot of the exterior of Jabba's, and you saw one of those spiders uh, with the brain in the in the casing. Um, you know, those are the I can't remember the first name, but they were considered monks um, who used to. That was a monastery before Jabba took over. Um, and one of the books, uh, you know, tales from uh, you know Jabba's palace. You know that type of thing. Um, you know, <laughs> Bib Fortuna actually has a story where his brain gets encased in one of those things. So it's obviously not canon 
But um, that's why we see the spider click around in Return of the Jedi, you know, when Luke shows up or the droids show up. So I, I really like that callback. Um, what did you think about the, um, you know, the, the him ruling as kind of a, a warlord? I think it's really interesting to see the power shift from Jabba and then in his, in his absence to Bib Fortuna and then finally being taken over by a character that the community really loves. And I think, like how I said earlier, uh, going deep into that and exploring that, I think, is a good idea from Disney's part. Yeah, and, and Jabba was a gangster. You know, he still had people hanging around his palace, right? We remember that in Jedi and everything. Um, but to see him want to rule, him being Boba, want to rule with, what did he say, respect? You know, and it's going to be really interesting. It's almost like he's bringing together the heads of all the various households uh, and sitting on that, uh, that's not a round table, but sitting around the table talking, you know, similar to Godfather, um, you know, where they bring all the heads of the families together. Or, or um, maybe it'll end like Godfather does when Michael takes over and they, while he's baptizing the, <laughs> you know, his godson, they take care of all of the enemies. You know, so it's really going to be fascinating, I think, because uh, I'm curious. Do you think it's just going to stay on Tatooine and it's about him establishing this power? I really think it's going to. Uh, I think throughout the series, we're going to see him sort of move into the power and probably come up with some sort of plan. I don't know what that would necessarily be, but addressing all of these big, powerful people and bringing them all together to unite them. Do you think it's going to be easy for him or do you think it's going to be like a free for all? And see, here's my thing when and this was a lot of the expanded universe with the books, you know, when the emperor died, the empire wasn't done. There were still moths around the, you know, the various sectors of the galaxy who were striving for control again, not necessarily. Well, it's not canon anymore since Disney bought it. But there was a lot of uh, upheaval and, and power grabs. And if Jabba is gone, and this is in the middle of Hutti space, and he's a famous warlord, you know, it, are other people going to be fighting, or do they want peace? Do they want prosperity? I don't know. I think there is going to be a big struggle for the power, and I think that's what the whole show is going to be focused around, based on how he can react to uh, all these super powerful gangsters coming together and just like you said, power grabbing. Now, do you think that, see, the boba that we want and love, you know, we didn't get to see that too much in the movies. He was always walking around, right? Uh, we saw him fight the one time before he went sh <laughs> shrieking into the Sarlacc, right? And that's all we had until Mandalorian, until he showed up. So I would like to see more of that action from, from boba and not so much being the boss sitting behind the table. And so the, the trailer got me kind of worried that it's going to be a lot of more just administrative. However, towards the end of the trailer, we got to see him go barbarian and, and fight. And I really dug that a lot. What, what about you? I think being the boss is what makes his character so mysterious and enjoyable. But seeing that fighting really bounty hunter style that we've been waiting for is beneficial to this show. Yeah, I think we're, if you can't tell, we're pretty excited about this show, you know, um, uh, I love the aesthetics of it, the quality, seeing those spaceport shots and city shots, because they make you think that, that Tatooine is all desolate and not a lot of cities, but you saw a city there that probably had over a million people in it, 
you know, and how do they survive? What's that like? I'm really curious. And and one of the things I loved about Mandalorian is just little allusions that they had to the original movies. You know, one of the first episodes, Mando's walking around before he even has Baby Yoda, and we see one of those Kwakian monkey lizards you know, salacious B. Crumb type characters on a spit being roasted and other ones in a cage just waiting. You know, just little things like that. Have you given any thought to uh, what sort of, whether you want to call them cameos or illusions or shout-outs to the movie that you would like? Any of the movies? I think a lot of the illusions have been taken up by The Mandalorian so far. I don't think there's that much to pick out of the movies. But I really hope that uh, they bring up some of the old bounty hunters that were seen in the original trilogy, mm. like uh, Bosk. Bosk would be, would be great, right? Bosk would be great. Um, I want here's my uh, Danger would be good. Dengar, you know the one with the the head wrap. Um, I don't think I'd get too excited for Forlom or Zuckus, you know the, you know no. or IG88. We kind of got IG out of our system with you know, IG-11 in Mando. Um, but it's going to be really interesting, and uh, and I'm really hoping, okay, and here's a stretch. Do you remember in Phantom Menace, little Anakin's friend, Kitster? <laughs> I would love for Kitster to show up. Why? I, I don't know, to see what he's doing. You know, he got left behind. He was a good friend of Anakin. Did he, was he... Uh, uh, thinking about Anakin when he was gone? Did Anakin, uh, with his downfall and death or his heroics in Clone Wars, did Kitster follow that at all? Or did he survive on his own? Um, I'd really be, because think about how much older he'd be now. He'd be an adult character. I I just think it'd be a cool shout out. Um, I'd love to see Watto again. Um, You know, I don't know if we're just going to stick you know, where Jabba is uh, around Mos Eisley. I don't know if we're going to move around to Mos Espa or Anchorhead or, or Tashi Station or, or wherever else. Um, I'm really, I'm just, yeah, you know what? You were right with Mando was when they went to Tatooine, we got the cantina, you got the speeders, the dewbacks, we got the um, some Jawas, right? We got, we got a lot of everything, the sand people, the Tuscans. And so there isn't maybe a lot of, the aesthetics that we've come to love in the movies. However, those little small nuggets would be cool. Maybe a quick pod racing thing again, or I don't know, just something. Uh, Like how in Mandalorian, how they focused on multiple episodes inside of Tatooine with like in season two with uh, the, uh, not the Ewoks, the, what are they called? You just said it. Uh, The Tuscans? The Jawas. The Jawas. Uh, And going after the, the big Mudhorn egg. I think focusing multiple episodes of a new show that people have been waiting like a year-ish to see, I don't think that would be really interesting as it's really been done a lot before. And I'm not quite sure how many episodes. Let's just, Mando is what, eight episodes usually? Let's just say we'll be lucky six, seven, eight. We can't really spend two on just one little thing. I we, I think they got to hit the ground running. And that kind of leads us into what our uh, expectations are. Um, one of the things that I was so excited about with Mandalorian is when he showed up again. And then uh, we'll talk about it later. But when he got his armor and we got to see him fight. And that was the first time we ever got to see Boba Fett fight like you in your dreams or expectations what you want him to be it's like at the end of rogue one when you see vader fighting um you know all those rebels in that last shot and he's using the force and he's fighting like vader like you would always wanted to see but you never did you know um 
And so uh, going forward with it, you know, I, I, I just really want to see more of Boba uh, kind of fulfilling the, the expectations that everybody might have had of him and um, see where it goes from there. Um, so with that, uh, what we want to talk about first, I guess, is, um, you know, some of our favorite Mandalorian moments um, for a little bit, you know, favorite episodes, favorite moments. I think uh, Nolan and I both agree on our least favorite episode, um, <laughs> which was on the count of three. One, two, three. The frog lady. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's ironic is it sandwiches, uh, or it's right in the middle of two fantastic episodes. Um, so we just want to talk about what uh, we loved about Mandalorian, what we love about Star Wars. Do you remember when you kind of liked star wars i think i just grew up and realized that you actually wanted me to see this and i think it was something that was interesting to me the whole space aspect with a bunch of storylines and books and characters and movies and shows and it's just a big universe it's a big universe. So do, can you recall when it happened that it was not so much somebody else really liked it and wanted you exposed to it, but that, oh, I kind of have an interest on my own of this? Do you kind of remember when that was? I think it would have been around, uh, I think it was 2018 when Force Awakens came out. I think when I saw that, it they were really trying to appeal an old series, old-ish, from the 70s to a new audience, making it more modern. So I think uh, just seeing that just really oh. awoke something in me. Awoken, awaken. And it was 2015, by the way, but oh, well, no one's keeping track. Well, and that's fine. Whatever. So it was Force Awakens. And, and it's funny because growing up when I was a kid, I had some of the action figures. but And I watched the movies, and they were fine, and I enjoyed them. But it wasn't until they came out with the prequels in the late 90s, and they re-released all of the older movies in the theater. And it was the marketing for Phantom Menace with Darth Maul that really was like, this dude looks amazing and so i want to know more about this and and so finally getting to see the movies in the theater um it just really was amazing and then got the prequels and i got into the books and the comics dark horse comics and it just became a obsession to some degree um but definitely mandalorian as as much joy as mandalorian especially season two was for me i'd rather have a great season of mandalorian than just wait three years for one two-hour movie yeah you know yeah i think with the time period between the movies it is better to come out with a bunch of new series like they have been like with the bad batch i was really right. a after watching uh season seven of the clone wars everybody was asking them to make a series about this and then they did they really pumped it out in like less than a year and it was a really captivating series and and it was all new yeah. characters for the mo yeah. most part, you know. Yeah, they're clones, but uh, they had their own personalities. And that's what I liked about Mando is there wasn't a ton of lightsaber play throughout. You know, it was a, it, so it was still Star Warsy, but it wasn't crazy. It's like Rogue One. It to me, Rogue One is a great war movie. It's barely Star Wars. You know, yeah, they got to go to light speed, and yes, there's a Death Star, and yes, Vader shows up a few times. But other than that, it's just a war movie where they're trying to grab some, uh, you know, some MacGuffin for the, the movie, you know, the Death Star plans. Um, and so I just, yeah, I, I just like how Star Wars can be enjoyable for the fans, and hopefully, especially with Mando being up for Emmys and winning Emmys, but being up for Best Drama two years in a row. 
uh, uh, that's the award that Sopranos has been up for and West Wing won all those years and Breaking Bad and Mad Men Mando is in that same category with those and that just blows my mind and I love that it's being universally uh, accepted like that so I dig that a lot I think some of what makes Mandalorian so popular is it focuses, like how you said, with less lightsaber play. It focuses heavily on the gunslinger Old West style mm. that was influencing Star Wars. And it really put, draw, drew that out over a series and brought in new characters and new methods to get stuff. And it was just a new experience. Yeah, I love the Mando. All new characters, for the most part, other than Boba showing up, right? Um, who was your favorite character from the new Mando show? Oof, that's a tough one. Uh, I have to say uh, Bill Burr's character. Ah, yeah, stole your you answer. Know, that's my answer. I don't remember. His, oh, Mayfeld. Yeah, Miggs Mayfeld. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you like about him? I think he added a nice dynamic to it as being sort of the jerk, but then they bring him back in season two and he's helping them and you get to see this uh, hatred of the Empire backstory and bring him in with this great monologue and ends up messing up the whole plan, which I just think is a great addition. That was a moment that blew me away as well. Um, Character, he was good. He only shows up twice. Um, Gosh, Mando's great. Obviously, Baby Yoda, everybody loves. Grogu, (laughs) right? And he was cute. Uh, Migs Mayfeld was up there. Um, Cara Dune, I thought, was pretty solid. I'd seen her in a few movies. She starred in a movie, action movie called Haywire, and then had a bit part in like a Fast and the Furious six, six or seven, six I think, um, six. And um, you know, so she was good. I I enjoyed her. I thought she. There were a couple of little acting here or there, but I thought she was pretty electric, and they were they were good together. So I really, I really like those people in there. But I, I dug the cameos, the people that showed up, like the Migs Mayfield, um, when Timothy Oliphant showed up in the the premiere, the Marshall, the premiere of the second season when they battled the Crate Dragon. You know, he's he's a favorite actor of mine from Deadwood, um, you know, and Justified. He's really fantastic, and he was just perfect for that role. I loved him in that one. Um, so those are a couple of my favorites. Um, what about uh, your favorite um, episodes, would you say, of Mandalorian? Uh, the Crate Dragon episode, the first one of season eight. Um, season two. Season two. That's all right. Well, You're a little ahead of yourself. Yeah. That's fine. Um, in season one, I'd probably have to say the last episode, I think. It set up the second season perfectly. Um, yeah. What happened in that episode? To set it up, do you remember? No. No. Yeah, you do. Sort of. It was the. Gr- it was where uh, IG Eleven kills himself, sacrifices on the lava river. Oh, and, yes, yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that, w- like, it was amazing to bring back like the dark saber. I think it was. Oh, and that was a good. It's just a great conclusion to an already great show. I thought so too. And then uh, you finally see Mando take his helmet off, and no living thing has seen me. You know. And then IG-11 goes, you know, I, I'm not living, you know, and, and uh, sacrifices himself. And that was fantastic. Uh, so that's a really good one. Uh, what, you said Crate Dragon, the end of the first season. Um, any others? Um, third episode of the second season, which was right after the horrendous Frog Lady episode, I think. 
that was great because it brought back uh, Bo-Katan and a bunch of other Mandalorians, and you see that he's not the only one left. And is that the notorious Baby Yoda eating the eggs? Yes. Is that that episode? Yes, that okay. one. So yeah, that was the one where they go out on the ship, right? Yes. And yeah, you get to see um, it's really kind of connecting from the the Clone Wars with Bo-Katan and some of Death Watch type people, right, coming together. So I like how it merged those two. Cl- types of shows uh together um the crate dragon episode i remember just uh having you know um first uh, second season first episode just left my jaw hanging it was just visually was amazing i always wondered what a crate dragon would look like uh the only remembrance not remembrance but the only allusion to it was uh we would see the the carcass or the bones you know in in the very 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 first episode um the crate dragon that so that was really cool and then it had timothy oliphant in it um, my favorite episode overall is the one you alluded to a bit ago was, um, uh, the Bill Burr episode in season two, um, where they go and, uh, it's called the believer. Yeah, and, uh, I can watch that so many times and how he did not get nominated for an Emmy for guest star. I have no idea. Um, you know, they gave one to Giancarlo Esposito who, yeah, he did a good job, you know, but this one moment was just fantastic um but uh it what plays out in in short um summation is migs is sitting there and they're undercover and they're sitting across the table from his former commander when he was in the empire and the commander is talking about uh, operation cinder and how they lost ten thousand men and you see migs just losing his mind about how casual this former guy, uh, Valen Hess, I think, or Valen or something, Valen Hess, and he, that what a great actor he was, too. And there's just so much tension and so much, oh, my gosh, Miggs is losing his mind here, but he's so calm because they're in the middle of this compound of, of bad guys. And Mando has his helmet off, and he keeps calling him brown eyes, you know, <laughs> brown eyes. Um, but um, they're just sitting there, and then there's this moment, and if you can pause this, cue it up, they're just looking, and Miggs just looks over at Mando, and he's just almost like shaking his head no, very, very small, you know, imperceptible. And then Miggs just, just like, screw it, and he shoots the guy, and it's silent, and nobody can believe it. I just, I love that moment. So that, to me, is my favorite episode um, and almost favorite moment. But I think I have to go with the very last scene we've seen in Mando so far is when uh, Grogu is rescued and Luke Skywalker shows up. And if you can recall, I stood up applauding and I was tearing up. And to see that green lightsaber that glows so, so brilliantly, just like it did on Jabba's sail barge, you know, uh, in Jedi. And it was Oh my gosh, it was just heavenly. And to watch him fight and move around like that, and it looked like him, it that to me. Those are my favorite moments. Uh, this also leads me to something else. Uh, since Grogu is no longer in the storyline of The Mandalorian, mm. do you think now The Mandalorian is going to move to the Book of Boba Fett in awaiting for the next season? Or what do you think is just going to happen in the season three? In season three of Mando? Yes. We have so much Star Wars to discover between now and then. You know, we're going to have however many episodes of Boba. We got uh, Obi-Wan showing up in his show. Now, with Obi-Wan, this isn't the same time frame. Because right now, a book of Boba Fett, it's between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. 
is where we're at in the timeline. So with the new, um, with the new, uh, uh, what's, uh, what's his name? Obi-Wan. <laughs> I can't. With the new Kenobi, that's going back to before a, new, uh, before a New Hope. And so it's not quite the same. But then we got an Andor series coming, you know, which is uh, right around, you know, uh, that same time as Kenobi. Um, probably a little bit after, I would imagine. Uh, but then we still got Ahsoka thing coming. And they haven't even talked about Mando yet. Those are all of the things in the pipeline before we get Mando. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. There's no Grogu, so I'm kind of excited because they can kind of rebirth this franchise in whatever direction they want. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And there is no uh, there, there's no uh, feeling like you're, you have to uh, fan service them. And I don't want them to go and find another orphaned something for him to, yeah. to do. They have to move past that and realize what did they want from this show? Is it going to continue to be sort of drama with a little bit of, you know, cuteness with Baby Yoda. Mm. And is he going to continue being this savior or this really awesome gunslinger who goes and does all these awesome adventures? I think we'll just have to wait and see for that. I agree. Yeah. And I can't wait to see it. And he, they had some great episodes, even when he was toting around Grogu, you know, and it would be nice. Uh, so you kept getting pulled back. Oh, he's cute. He's cute. But something awesome's happening. A big crate dragon's here. But he brought this child with him. So this could have been a great scene. That, that child did nothing for that episode. You know, we didn't need him. And so I think that that is good for future you know, it's very positive for future episodes of Mando that it can be successful. Do you think he's going to go around with his helmet off more? I think he will now. No, no, I don't think he will. Uh, just because he broke the oath, he can still wear the helmet because there are no Mandalorians that so far are going to be checking up on him. And nobody really knows that he took his helmet off besides uh, Baby Yoda and Mayfeld, but I don't think he's telling anybody. And they killed pretty much everybody else who did. Yeah, so. but Cara Dune and Bo-Katan and all those people when Luke showed up because he took his helmet off for Grogu, right? And I'm curious about what's going to happen with him in Mandalore because he has the Darksaber. And he tried giving it to Bo-Katan and she didn't take it because it's got to be won, not given, right? It's yes. got to be earned. So do you foresee any maybe uh, reconnecting with Mandalore or any of that? I think that's definitely an interesting idea that they could explore, but I think they're going to continue with, you know, the gunslinger adventures, mm -hmm. and uh, I think at some point he's going to have to step in as, as some sort of leader form with uh, the Darksaber, and I, that's where I'm guessing the story's going to go. And to bring it back to the point of this podcast, it was just the book of Boba Fett. Boba Fett is Mandalorian as well right yes he's Kaminoan, but uh, Jango Fett you know was from Concord Dawn which is that's again that's sorry geeked out there for a moment expanded universe or the bounty hunter ps2 game uh you find out how he gets recruited um to be the the, the chromosome donor or whatever for the uh for the uh, uh clones um I'm curious if there's going to be anything with Boba Fett or maybe that's just too far down the road right now he has to get set up on Tatooine yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't know. And the thing with the, the books and stuff, um, there was a lot more presence of him where he was the ruler of Mandalore for a bit. And the Empire got so angry at him 
that uh, and they had his, uh, his his genetics on file that in one of the stories they launched a pretty much a toxic chemical weapon into the atmosphere of Mandalore that uh, it, it went down and any genetics of Boba Fett would be dead by this biological weapon. How crazy is that? And sick. So he couldn't yeah. go home. And so that, and then he was left to wander around. And um, I'm just, I, see, that's where I know Boba from the books. And in one of the older books with, uh, you know, uh, Jaina Solo, um, you know, he helps train her so she can kill her Sith Lord brother, Jason, you know, and, and this isn't canon anymore. But you really get into the culture of what it was to be Mandalore, which is why I loved Bo-Katan and all the Death Watch people, because it, it started to make those connections that uh, I spent so many years reading about and looking forward to seeing that visually. I think exploring the books is an amazing idea for the storyline of the Mandalorian and how the Mandalorians have affected things like the Clone Wars and just clones themselves, I think, with their kind of culture or, as he puts it, a creed. I think that is very amazing. Yeah, totally, totally. And uh, so I think we're looking forward to that. Um, We recap some of our great moments that we really enjoy. Um, I still just – there were so many just visual moments. I think, yeah, the, the, the Luke um coming to rescue i i think that was just awesome just as a fan but action wise when boba emerges in his costume costume in his armor again and and just goes nuts on all those troopers and he shoots that missile to blow up the transport and he turns around and does that hero walk while the explosion happens behind him was just unreal so excited so excited to see you like that one as well? Yeah. Yeah. I want to see yeah. more of that. And that's why I want to see the action with him. Uh, and he's got. we've got to know how he got out of the Sarlacc. And this is kind of what we'll wrap up on is, is um, you know, with our ideas about what's going to come. We have to. That has to be one of the storylines pretty early, right? I'd say, uh, like, the start of the first episode. It's just going to be this, like, flashes of how he does it. And before it moves into the actual story. And I think we'll see the current storyline that's going to happen in the show with the whole underground situation and uh, leading the huts, or at least uh, in Jabba Hutt's place. Um, I think we'll understand how he got there and out of it throughout the series. I I really like your idea. I was thinking we'd find out later, but I think that's the way they should jumpstart the series. Just opening credits, Lucasfilm, right? And then... You just show the Sarlacc. However, he gets out. However, he gets found. Because d- doesn't don't you think that the Sand People have to stumble upon him? Yeah, we've seen the Sand People in so many shows at this point with no real, like they haven't prevailed and done right. anything important besides in like uh, the first episode of the second season of Mandalorian. But having them do this huge beneficial thing that's on Tatooine, it would make a lot of sense to have them save him. Yeah, see, because he carries around that gaffy stick, right? The <laughs> stick. But then we also find out, you know, in that Marshall episode that you mentioned, Boba's armor shows up on a Jawa sand crawler. So there's got to be some, there's something that happens. How does he escape the Starlock? How do they get the armor off? Boba. Does Boba crawl out, pass out, and then they find him and just take his armor and leave him to die, and then the Tuscans find him? 
But whatever. I, I Going back to how you say to start it, I would show how he at least gets saved. And then it gets into the whatever the music. That's Mando, but whatever Boba is. And then you can see the credits for Book of Boba. I think that's fantastic because uh, in one of the teasers, I think we see him in Bacta. And so that might be a connection to uh, an early episode. But uh, I think I really I really dig your uh, idea of how that uh, starts off. That's how I would start it until I hear a better idea. But that, that's pretty solid. Um, any last things you want to mention? Um, I guess adding on just to what you said, I think Bacta is really expensive and mm. only certain – organizations can Ooh. buy it so it really makes you wonder who oh. actually found him because i don't think tuscan raiders are no, purchasing I, a lot of Bacta. i don't think jawas either oh i like this so then who would have him especially on tatooine so the empire or the republic because he was in the employee of the empire yeah. you know to hunt down oh that's intriguing. I like that idea. I like that idea. So it's uh, our, our future episodes. We're going to watch the episode and then just talk about it. Um, things we liked. Uh, again, things we hopefully didn't dislike. Connecting it to Mando. I'll, I'll try to connect it to Expanded Universe just uh, for the geeks that listen. Um, but And have a good time. Uh, we'll are gonna, we're going to have an email address up and running. So if you ever have any comments or questions that uh, you know we can answer at the end of the episode, we will uh, give you our somewhat uh, limited slash experienced expertise depending on what you ask we may or may not know but we will give you a, an honest answer but uh, just uh, hope this gives you a good uh, listen while you're driving or walking or whatever um, and put you in the world of star wars so uh, until next time uh, this is bob and this is nolan thanks for watching and see you next time thank you very much take care